The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Aging Conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Look at that. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. A Friday edition of the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. This has not come quick enough, I think, for myself and anybody else. Jalen Nye is in the building, but not in studio, uh, because we uh, had anticipated that she wouldn't be here today, so we filled every chair uh, with guests. So let me introduce them to you right now. Jay will be in at 3. The topic is Valentine's Day. And I'm joined by Jeremy Rossiter, a professor of history and classics at the University of Alberta. Lori Hanask. Hanask? Lori? Close. Close. Hanask. Hanasek. Hanasek. Darn, I got the first part, but not the second. A credit counselor at Credit Counseling Society and Dr. Hor- uh, Corey Hrushka. There, I rolled the R there for you. Did, yeah. Senior psychologist, certified sex therapist at Insight Psychology. All right, the general topic this afternoon for this hour is Valentine's Day. I didn't want to wait until Valentine's Day because I'm assuming through the course of the conversation this afternoon in this next hour, we'll come up with something insightful enough that we will save one or two Valentine's Days, uh, mine being at the top of the list. Uh, but first, I'd kind of like to set the groundwork if I could. And I'd like to start with you, Jeremy, our professor of history and classics at the University of Alberta. Is Valentine's Day a hallmark holiday or has it actually got its roots in history? Well, uh, one of the questions that people often ask is, who was St. Valentine? And uh, I'm here with a historical perspective on this. Um, the short answer is we don't know. Okay. Um, but there's a much longer answer. <laughs> I'd like to hear that one. Which is um, that uh, we can trace the, the roots of uh, St. Valentine's Day and uh, the person of St. Valentine back, back to the Roman era. Uh, there's, there's really no doubt about that. Uh, the name itself is a Roman name. Uh, very common Roman name, in fact. Uh, it means the powerful or um, there were emperors called who had the same name. There was an emperor called Valentinian, an emperor called Valens. It was, it was a popular name. Um, so uh, what we know, or certainly can, uh, can um, uh, believe fairly clearly, I think, is, is that uh, St. Valentine uh, was uh, someone who lived during the Roman era. He uh, belonged to the Christian church, and like uh, some of his uh, fellow Christians, he was eventually put to death by the imperial authority. Uh, now the problem is uh, that there are a number of people with that name uh, that we know of uh, who suffered the same fate. So the question is, which one was he? Well, I've always been told, and maybe it was an old wives' tale or perhaps my mother's tale, that he was a priest that had married couples in secrecy uh, because the emperor at the time felt married men didn't make very good warriors. So he banned uh, marriage and that this uh, Valentine, Valentine, whatever, uh, married people in secret was caught and imprisoned. Is that one of the theories? Is that the most popular one? That is, that is the the most common theory. Um, that that is to say, there is a a Valentinian, uh, uh, a Valentine, should I say, who 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 was martyred. Uh, this would be in the mid middle of the third century. I think we can pin it down to an exact year, two sixty nine, um, and. Uh, 
very likely uh, the saint that we celebrate uh, is connected to that particular martyr. He, he died for his faith. And as you say, uh, one of the stories is, is it's because he, he allowed the marriage of, of soldiers, which was, which was uh, not allowed by law in the Roman period. So I had also heard, and perhaps you can shed some light on this, that he was sentenced to death but during the course of his incarceration prior to his death, that the jailer's daughter uh, visited him and that he fell in love or they fell in love together and that he eventually left her um, a note signed, uh, your Valentine. Uh, that's another story. I mean, story? how much credence we can put in these stories uh, is, is certainly questionable. Um, and uh, as I say, that we, we, we can only speculate that this was the, the Valentine, uh, whose tradition we now celebrate. Uh, we do know that there were other Christians, uh, uh, quite prominent Christians with the same name uh, or variations of that same name, who were martyred. Um, we know of at least two more around the same time as him. Uh, in Italy, we know of uh, one in North Africa. And once we move into the next century, uh, the fourth century, that there are many more. But um, the connection, uh, one of the reasons w that we celebrate this particular Valentine is, is that the, the martyrdom, his death, is supposed to have taken place in February. Uh, at oh, that I particular would suppose time, February which, 14th, which, which, right. Which has continued in the tradition, that's right. So one more question, Professor. Is Valentine's Day celebrated all around the world then? Uh, that's a good question. I think now, like so many festivals, that it has been uh, exported, you know, courtesy of Hallmark, or uh, however we want to see it. Um, I mean, you could ask the same question about Christmas almost, that, that, that now it's it's celebrated sure. very widely around the world. So, so uh, Corey, our senior psychologist and certified sex therapist, there was nothing sexy about that answer at all. Is is that, and you know, and nor did I expect that it would be, uh, Professor, but is there... Is this uh, a hot-button date for couples? Is this a date that brings problems? Or in hindsight, can this be a, a date that ends a relationship? Well, in theory, yes. Um, but I'd say as a lot of Valentine's Days in my office, because I'm usually seeing when people are having problems, is... Valentine's Day is now the stressful time because of the expectations that they have to perform, usually it's the guy, and kind of make something spectacular or even memorable in this process. So people are coming to me to ask, how do we make this somewhat reasonable and not kind of fall flat on their face? Well, that would be particularly uh, relevant, I would imagine, for couples that have been together for a long time, because how do you, even if you absolutely perform the first, second, or third year, how do you do it in the 25th year? Well, I think that a good way to explain it would be the difference between depth and breadth. So breadth would be novelties. Oh, we got to do something different every year to keep it exciting. And at some point, you will run out of exciting new novel things to do. Versus, you know, maybe you could be doing the same thing every year, but that allows to for a consistency, a repeat of something that was positive, and even a more depth of emotional experience in that to rekindle that same kind of historical experience. So both are you know, positive things that can happen, and and fine. Does there have to be romance in a relationship in order for it to succeed? No. I mean, you can have a function, a very good functional relationship that has no romance. But what a lot of people do is they miss that emotional intensity or the passion, and so that's the difference between having a very good committed relationship or a very good intimate 
friendship style relationship or a passionate relationship. Normally we're trying to integrate all three into one nice package, but it doesn't always happen. I'm sure it doesn't. Uh, I won't talk about personal experience just yet. So Lori, <laughs> our credit counselor, is uh, we're just six weeks from Christmas. Um, yes. A lot of people find themselves in uh, financial worry during these uh, periods of time. And then around the corner comes Valentine's Day again. And if you're a couple, another important date that we've just mentioned with our first two guests. Is this a date that sees a bump in business for you? Well, actually, these two months right after Christmas do tend to see an increase in our in our business. Um, people, you know, if they haven't planned in advance, oftentimes it leads to purchases being impulsive, and oftentimes that leads to credit card usage. So if we're not really planning for that, yeah, sometimes it can create another kind of pressure, another kind of stress for people. You know, I'm not sure which one of the three wants to answer this, but I'll ask you. Um, do people throw money at relationship problems? Is that sort of one of those last stands they take? Well, you know what? It hasn't been going well, and I haven't been a great partner, but a pearl necklace would certainly solve everything. I think that's fair in some situations to say. Um, you know, sometimes you think what you just said, we're not doing well together, but maybe this nice gift will help smooth things over. So yeah, I think that's a fair comment to make. It seems to me that I bought my wife a, a pearl necklace when we were dating, and I don't recall her ever wearing it. I, and I also remember having a conversation one time where I asked if she had pawned it, and uh, <laughs> it could have been. We, we you know, struggled off the top financially, and she had said she was waiting for the opportunity to wear it. Anybody care to get... I don't your hint, so... So what am I supposed to do about that? Well, I, I think what I see is a lot of my men tend to want to purchase a gift as a, a symbol of their energy you put into her. And a lot of my women in the relationship saying is, I'm waiting for you to show that. So that opportunity is the hint to say, so now that you've bought me, when are you going to take me out to romance me or give me some intimacy and so that I can show you the gift that you wore? So haven't we sort of been trained to think that way, though? Isn't from the time of engagement, aren't we taught that the ring is supposed to represent a certain amount of your income? Is it? I don't want to throw out of that. Is it two months, three months? I don't know what it is. I, I know what it was in my Something case. It was that, whatever yes. my credit card would hold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that equaled uh, in the end. But aren't we kind of trained to think that money is a sign of affection? I can answer that. Sure. And I would say that. In some cases, again, yes. I mean, the bigger the ring, the bigger the commitment he must feel. You know, the love is deeper because I've got a great big ring, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you can show love in many different ways. It doesn't have to be a big financial output. Well, I definitely want to get into that aspect of it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a break here, but before I do, just want to, and now that we've established each of your areas of expertise, I kind of want to just throw it open to a general conversation about Valentine's Day. But one last thing I need to ask each of you, Jeremy, are you in a relationship? Uh, not at the moment. All right. Uh, Lori? Yes, I am. Married? Uh, no. Okay. And uh, Corey? And I'm married to kids. All right. Been, how long have you been married? My wife will kill me about that one. Uh, 12, 15, <laughs> 12, 15 years? <laughs> you're, the, you're the sex therapist and uh, psychologist, uh, and you can't remember how long you've been. Way just, to go. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, now, let so me make a note of that. All right, we'll take our first break, sell some cars or something else. When we come back, we'll continue with our Valentine's Day <laughs>
folks remember, uh, Professor, you're a history professor, so perhaps you'd remember. There was a uh, cartoon, and I want to say it was a Bugs Bunny cartoon, uh, where there uh, somebody finds this uh, frog that can sing. Anybody remember that? Yep, and ev- but every time you put him on stage, the frog wouldn't sing. Uh, I sure wish we hadn't have taken that break, because I loved where the conversation went when we weren't on the air. Uh, so I want all you frogs to start singing. I, I don't even know. I don't even know where <laughs> to. Oh my baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little too literal there, but uh, no, I appreciate you playing along. So we were just talking in general about relationships off air and about where they go and Valentine's Day and and this is for any of you is Valentine's Day like a checkup for your car because as it as you approach February 14th you start thinking about what you have done and not done well in your relationships it can be some people don't even pay attention to Valentine's Day because there's too much hype it can be a good cue because I, I want people to regularly check up on their relationships. This just could be one of those excuses. Mm-hmm. I think they should be doing it regularly, whether it's Valentine's Day or not, so that they're continuing to grow and work on and improve their relationship. Okay, so Lori, you said in the first segment that you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to have a beautiful or romantic Valentine's Day. So give me an example of that. Well, I think what you first have to do is figure out what is meaningful for your partner. You know, for some people, going out for dinner or gift of a bouquet of roses, it's not the most meaningful thing you could do for them. So what would be meaningful for that person? Would it be spending time with them? Would it be taking the kids out for a couple of hours so they could have some time to themselves? Um, Could you have dinner at home, make something special, or make that other person's favorite meal and have it by candlelight? That sounds like a lot of work, all of that. Not really. Not really. It's just different alternatives to feeling or having that expectation that you have to spend a lot of money to have a good Valentine's Day. All right, so expertise aside, could any one of you or all of you tell me about your best Valentine's Day? You you take your time. I I have memories of of, uh, some, you know, very good dinners and... I enjoy going out for dinner, and uh, and uh, sort of one in particular stands out. I think partly because I and my partner at that point had had uh, we weren't married, um, uh, but we were looking towards getting married, and uh, and um, uh, we had actually been separated for a while and got together around the time of Valentine's Day. So there was a, a double meaning to it. It was it was. It was and you got together then specifically invitation. because it was Valentine's uh, Day. Uh, it was a partly coincidence, but it, but it just it happened to be that week, and and and. Um, and uh, I just remember going out and having a wonderful dinner, and, and that. that uh, but you know, that was my perspective. Uh, one one thing that interests me actually is, is we 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 tend to be moving into a into a sort of modern era of equity. You know, we we, we it's yes. a big issue in, in in so many areas of society now. Um, sort of equal pay and equal everything. And uh, I'm just wondering whether how this might impact Valentine's Day because some of the comments that have been made have suggested. That, yes. You know, the the, the man is responsible right. for for providing the occasion and, and so on. I'm wondering if that if is you that know changing? what I'm I'm so glad you took us here, <laughs> Professor. Because to be honest with you, I've been wondering about that for weeks now. This is. Uh, a year in which my wife turns 50, our anniversary is the 25th, and we've got Valentine's Day around the corner. But I've been hearing from my daughters that I'm supposed to no longer be the dominant partner in, you know, the male doesn't have to do it all. So I'm wondering, isn't it our anniversary? Isn't it our Valentine's Day? The birthday I'll let her own. Mm -hmm. But where do we stand on that now? 
Some couples will negotiate, so who's leading that? Some will integrate, so you're responsible for one part, I might be responsible for another, be it a meal, be it the activity. When I when I teach about dates, I usually say as you know, movie is off the list for date night. So you movies know, off the list? Yeah, because I want them to be engaged in some kind of activity together, not a spectator sport where they're not actually interacting. So that's why you could go on a date, you could go on a walk that could be very intimate, that costs nothing. You could have a meal, but the meal is only a part of the date, it is not the date. So I've now set kind of really strict guidelines on what is off the table for a good date, be it Valentine's or not. Um, to help facilitate kind of an equal interaction dynamic and equal responsibility because technically the more investment you put into it um, the more bonding you you cause if someone is not investing any emotional energy into something they don't tend to attach to it as much laura you've been shaking your head in agreement the entire yeah, time I agree, <laughs> I agree with that whole statement i think really you have to have the conversation and discuss what you want to do on that day and i think you know if it's something that's important to both members of the couple then how do you want to commemorate it how should we celebrate this together uh, I think men, and maybe, you know, you'll study me one day in history, Professor, <laughs> uh, because I think I'm a little, uh, you know, historic in my beliefs, but I always feel like, number one, it's the male's responsibility to make those days special, and number two, that it should come as a surprise, and number three, that's what puts all the pressure on guys like me, because we feel we're not equipped, we don't even know how to have that conversation that you're talking about, Laurie, without giving away what it is we're planning. Well, I think you have to have the conversation to really discuss, you know, what are our financial priorities right now at this time? And I think that will help set expectations that are maybe more appropriate and will hopefully reduce some of that pressure. So you'd probably agree with this. There was a survey done by Groupon, you know, the good folks at Groupon. They said 80% of people said that an experience would be the best Valentine's gift they could imagine. Uh, topping the list was going to a concert together, doing an escape room, touring a cultural attraction, or taking a cooking class together. I think experiences are what people remember. Gifts can be forgotten as years go. But doing something together that was special for both of you, I think that's what creates the memory. But, uh, but I could see going out for dinner could be an, an experience that, yep. that everyone would enjoy. And. Uh, uh, there is an arrangement which I've actually tried and it works rather well. Uh, you go out for dinner with your partner and uh, perhaps as the male you feel obliged to, to, to pay. And so you, you offer to pay. And I have on more than one occasion had the response, no, no, I'll pay. So you get, really? into, you get into a slight argument about who's going to pay. And then, then the resolution of this argument is, of course, that I will pay for you your dinner and you will pay for my dinner. Then we'll both be giving some, giving something to the other person. You know, Laurie, as the only female on this panel, let me ask you, if you were on a date, and you say you're in a relationship, so assuming uh, you weren't, if you were on a date, uh, both as a woman and as a financial planner, uh, is your expectation that the man's going to pay? Not necessarily. Be honest. I am. Would you judge him for not paying or not offering to pay? Um, would I judge him? I don't think I would judge him, but I would certainly offer to pay my half. Really? Yes. Things have changed, Professor, since I dated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a meal paid for by a woman in my life, oh. including my wife. Well, 
maybe that'll be something new for this Valentine's Day. Uh, you know what? How about <laughs> that as an experience? I'll experience my wife getting her V's out. I think it might be, I believe it might be tied to mine, though, is the only thing. Uh, we have to take a break for our news headlines. When we come back, we'll return with our Valentine's Day panel. With Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Once again, the conversation continued during the uh, news break. We're all over the place here, but I don't care. So, uh, Owen, oh, I should tell you again who, if you're just joining us, I'm talking to uh, Jeremy Rossiter, a professor of history and classics at the University of Alberta. Laurie Hanasik. Hanasik. Darn it. Uh, credit counselor at Credit Counseling Society. You can see why I'm not a very good husband. I don't pay attention. Uh, and Dr. Corey Hrushka, a senior psychologist, certified sex therapist at Insight Psychological. We were talking off air. And you brought it up, uh, Corey, about a traditionalist versus uh, a feminist. And, um, you know, as soon as you say feminist, I know some people could get their backs up. What does he mean, feminist? But we were just talking about relationships. And prior to the break, we were talking about who should be doing what for whom on an occasion like Valentine's Day. So who, you said it depends. You said off air, but I'll put it on air. It depends if the relationship is traditional or, or feminist. Yeah, you can you can call it feminist. It's a theoretical model that basically is looking at balance and fairness and e- equalness, um, even if there are differences. So yeah, if you're a traditionalist, you might want the guy to pay because that's kind of what you believe, but been brought up, and you will reciprocate in some other way. So it ultimately it balances, but it's it looks kind of different in front. Versus a uh, you know a feminist approach would be either you pay, I'll pay yours, and you pay mine, and we balance it out, or we do Dutch, so that we're sharing. We're sharing equal responsibility throughout the whole process. But you can also volley back and forth. Well, I'll cover this one, you cover the next one. That's still kind of still balanced in a way. So, you know, we're speaking specifically of uh, finances here, but I suppose that's true of all aspects you of the relationship, <coughs> right? Finding the balance, finding the yin for your yang. Yep. So a traditionalist could be. This might not be an issue for some people if they're, if they're married couples because they may simply have uh, pooled finances. Finances, so they're... Um, it's not a question of you, you paying or me paying it. See, but that's an interesting point, too, as well, though, because I think, and I don't know, I, I can only speak from my own, per, my own experience, but when you're first married, there comes that conversation about pooling the finances that you just mentioned. Maybe we should have a joint account and, and whatever, but then I find as the marriage progresses that you find that there, you want to have your own account aside from the other account, the, the joint account, maybe not necessarily to hide anything, but to have a little bit of freedom, and particularly for the partner if there is one who doesn't work, so that they don't feel as though all their money comes from a paycheck that's going into a, a joint account. But it, it, as far as your business goes, Lori, how many of your customers come in as a result of one of the partners not being financially responsible and the other being just the opposite? Well, there's always different people that end up in relationships. Some people are spenders, some people are savers. So, yeah, that can happen where 
people aren't always on the same page as to how they want to manage their finances and oftentimes that's why they come in to talk to us is you know how can we make a budget that's going to work for both of our priorities so what do you tell your customers is that what they're called customers clients clients what do you tell your clients then about special days like christmas valentine's day birthdays anniversaries well, we always advocate trying your best to plan in advance. So ideally, if you're aware of your expenses, you know what you have to cover for fixed expenses, variable expenses, think about the irregular expenses, the things that don't come up every month, but you know are going to be there. Christmas is the best example of that. You can include Valentine's Day in that. And try and set aside a little bit on a monthly basis if you can. So when the time comes, you've got a available cash ready and it avoids credit cards being used what's the number one problem uh, i guess that's an unfair question what in in dealing with uh married couples is there some commonalities among the problems uh, something that perhaps you could avoid if you identified them earlier in a relationship well i think i mean building on kind of the financial stuff and i guess we can go and usually there's a we call it the his hers our model so it could be the his, his, ours model or hers, hers, our model too, depending on the relationship styles too. But that allows for kind of interrelational dynamics for our, our stuff, but allows individual freedom within my stuff and your stuff so that if I'm going to buy you a gift, it will become from my account that how right. we that, divvied it up. That's what so I was alluding going, to. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to buy you a great gift and it's coming from you because you're paying for it too. So how do we allow our own stuff. If I want to buy a motorcycle and my wife says, no, you're not, does that mean if it's a joint account and that's never going to happen versus I'll be the saver, I'll save up my own money as we divvy those up so that it's shared and balanced for joint account stuff versus independent stuff. You know, just out of curiosity, since you are a psychologist, and I don't know why I didn't think to ask you this before. Now, we have a regular segment here called How Does That Make You Feel with Dr. Gantz uh, Ferens. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the conversations that we often have is about um, holidays like Christmas, but in this case, we'll say Valentine's Day, where you're alone, mm-hmm. where you don't have somebody in your life. How significant is that to an individual? Well, I think it can be very significant, depending on how they're going to interpret that loneliness. Some people might want to be alone. How do we, I mean, really, how do we want to celebrate that in terms of just love? Does it have to be a romantic love with someone? That, can it be family relationships, really good friendship dynamics to still appreciate and try to identify this as a, I mean, my understanding would be from Valentine's is about sharing love. It doesn't have to be romantic. It's love for humanity, love for our friends, love for our family, all those components. In school, they give out Valentine's to everyone in the class. That's you know, whatever happened to that? I, I, d- so they, do they still do that? Because they, we they used still to do. My kids, I've seen those come through every Valentine's Day. Really, eh? Because, yeah. you know, you get the... Do you remember? Am I <clears throat> that old? You used to go to, like, Walmart or wherever, the equivalent of Target, whatever it was. You'd buy the big box that came with uh, enough for a whole classroom. One uh-huh. of them was big, and it was for the teacher. And it didn't matter if it was boy giving it to boy and boy giving it to all girl. It's all sharing. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. just sharing. And then you get older, and suddenly it's all about making this thing click for the one person in your life that matters the most, your spouse, and it just... I don't know. It just seems like it's changed. You send emojis now, don't you? Yeah, Yeah, exactly, right. You know, I'm so glad you're here, Professor. How about that? Because that's cheap and free. Is that uh, significant enough, getting an emoji and a nice uh, typed-out... you know, e-card? Could be, depending on how they personalize it, the meaning attached to it, how much yeah. energy they put into it. There's a whole 
but the, everything these days is is geared to having low energy. You're, everything is supposed to be more efficient now. Is it not sufficient to send a really nicely worded DM? Could be, depending on the person and but what they believe. If that's oh, meaningful yeah. to your partner, that might be a nice gift for them. A wonderful poet. I have one client who they were just talking about that, who's a poet, but never used that ability in the relationship. More recently, I'm thinking, why are you not doing this? Not only is you know, as they are a poet, they can speak another language and you can integrate this into a wonderful and and just use that to your advantage. It's like, never, never thought about that. It's I never like, thought about that either. <laughs> yeah. Talk for a living. Uh, there's an expectation. I want you guys to guess, if you will. I was mentioning earlier this survey by uh, Groupon. Um, I want you to guess, if you will, from each of your perspectives, when men were asked what they would like to receive on Valentine's Day, uh, what their number one answer was. Professor? Intimacy? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I won't even that bother. Was, it was sad. <laughs> I was going to guess that. <laughs> so that's why I'm asking can because, I, can you I know. differentiate the two? Sure, absolutely. Because as a sex therapist, my job is, so for me, intimacy and sex are two different things. Oh, oh, oh okay. <clears throat> so intimacy is that closeness, bond, and connectedness. Sex is the sex. It can have intimacy, and you can have sex without intimacy. You can have intimacy without sex, and then you can put them together to get both. So well, in that case, you were wrong. You were wrong, are then, you Professor. About it was sex. Or are you yeah. talking about intimacy? It was sex. Sex was the answer. <laughs> That's the full package. <laughs> <laughs> that, so, what about that? Because we talked just a moment ago about how roles are changing, right? But our roles are changing. But are people changing? Are people all that different? I'm overwhelmingly this survey. The men said sex, and the women said some beautiful experience, and probably I, I'm putting words in their mouths now. Intimacy that you just referred mm -hmm. to, but they want they want their partner to do something that's well thought out, and not necessarily expensive. Whereas, like I say, the men were just like, "No, we'd like a certainty." <laughs> I don't think it's changed significantly over the 25 years that I've been doing it. That consistent pattern is shown also in bioevolutionary psychology writings that. This pattern's been around for a long time. So why time. are we trying to change? This is a whole <laughs> other topic. But why are we trying to politically correct change what comes naturally to men and women then? Because it's not scratching the other person's emotional itch necessarily. That You can work those together, but I guess that's, I almost kind of say it's like a yin and yang, is when you have enough of what the other person's doing, you will get what you're looking for, but sometimes you have to give in order to be able to receive what you're looking for. And in, in the bedroom with us, like for a lot, and I'm gonna generalize because there's, sometimes I see it exactly opposite, but for a lot of women, intimacy is a precursor to sexuality. And so if there's enough of that intimacy dynamic that bonds them and attachments, then desire goes up. Not in all cases, but in a, in a good strong. Men don't necessarily need that as much. And so what you'll find is sex, can lead to the intimacy because they feel close during that activity and welcome to the dispute that I spend half my time yeah. playing with. You know, honestly, I shouldn't be surprised that you summed that up so well, but that's how I've always seen it. For a woman, uh, intimacy leads to sex, and for a man, sex leads to intimacy. So who's going to give first and who's going to be able to kind of... And usually the dynamics are women control the bedroom and most of the relationship dynamics. And I guess technically if men would learn that really well, <laughs> they would know how to feed that to be able to get ultimately where they want to oh go. Oh my God, did this whole conversation just come down to happy wife, happy life? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a degree. Uh, we have to take a break, uh, sell a few more things. We'll be right back with our Valentine's Day pack.
Valentine's Day panel. I'm gonna, can I just, you know, tell people who you are without using your last names, and then I'll nail it. Jeremy, a professor of history and classics at the University of Alberta. Lori, a credit counseling, a counselor at Credit Counseling Society. And Corey, a senior psychologist, certified sex therapist and insight at Insight uh, Psychological. And Jeremy, you were saying uh, during the break that the history of gift-giving is not a recent thing. I, I've referred to it off the top of this conversation as a hallmark uh, a holiday, but you were saying cards go back quite a ways, or sending well, cards? the first Valentine cards appear in the, in the Victorian era, um, really as a result of the establishment of a universal postal service. I mean, before 1840, there, were no, there was no postal service, and um, it was started in the UK, and, uh, and uh, once you've got the postal service established, of course, you can start to, to mail out cards to... So to, when did it become uh, then flowers, candies, uh, or chocolates, and then now what? We're at experiences and uh, trips, I believe. Yeah, I mean, Jewelry-based bracelets. Yeah, old jewelry, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Bigger, well, better. <laughs> well, I, I suppose the, the flowers have often you know, been associated with, with love, um, uh, perhaps partly for the, for the natural beauty. Um, there might be people will perhaps ask why, why red roses um, particularly. Um, there's perhaps a, a, a symbolism in the colour, which conceivably could connect back to the the original martyrdom stories, uh, the, the colour of blood as well as the colour of love. Hmm. Um, it's a possibility, but some of these things are a little obscure in their origins. I think. I would so, like it to. So I'd like to actually to go back to that cards or the letter writing to be able to invest into that more because it's going back to simplified basics and being able to express that without those high expectations of having to buy something although there's a lot of money spent during that period of time because I find that especially if someone writes it themselves there's a lot more meaning attached to it so the guys if they can do that, and I know they can, it's just a willingness to sit down <laughs> and do that and find something, even if it's written from someone else, no. and incorporating that into uh, a gift. Corey, I feel the need to back, I feel the need to defend Matt. Um, so we go to the store, right? Yeah. And, and I've noticed on special occasions, and Valentine's Day comes to mind right away, of course, that women will be pouring over the cards, reading one after another, right? And guys, and maybe I'm generalizing here, in fact, I know I am, will generally go to the right category, like Valentine's for wife, and then we'll pick it up and ensure that this is not a card they've given in the past, <laughs> right. and then slip it in the envelope, and we're good to go. So isn't that, I mean... Isn't it sort of hypocritical to say, well, a nice card is well-received, except you didn't write what's in it, and you, you don't know how long the person took to, to choose it. And if you've been with somebody a long time, they know probably likely not very long at all. You remembered to get a card, so oh. that you put no other effort into but it. But there's another tradition, isn't there, and that's the anonymous card. Oh, that's true. You know, if, you, if you go back particularly into the early, early period of card sending, you know that valentines were sent anonymously. So there was an element of excitement that, and mystery yes. about them, which I, I always think is hmm. something it would be nice to read. There's something that's personalized inside of a card. Yes, you can buy the department store card, but put your own personal note or sentiment. Well, what the hell am I paying Hallmark for then? Well, so if you want the quick and easy way, then you're going to get the quick and fast out. <laughs> so you have to be able to fast in, fast out. So you can, I mean, online, they have online Hallmark now, though. We, me and my wife send e-cards now because we can now go pick from a bunch craft them, write something in there, and it's a little more unique and it doesn't cost really anything um, 
and you can add those components. And so it's it's really actually even easier if you want to look at, instead of going to the store and picking up something pretty. It seems like you're all advocating that people uh, operate outside of their comfort zone, though. Uh, if you've become comfortable, uh, you know, you've become comfortable in a relationship that you get a card and a box of chocolates on Valentine's Day, um, to ask somebody who's not very good at expressing love or who isn't a poet or can't sing a song, you're asking them to do something they're not very good at. That's, it, you know, that's the thing that I find most of the, and I'll say most of the other person, the more uncomfortable you're willing to put yourself through for the other person, for the good of that, the more valuable it becomes. Because I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of energy on something that is beneficial for them. You know, even if it's looking at, you know, analyzing sports equipment and or, you know, cards and stuff like that. So they'll spend hours struggling with something to kind of find that out. How much energy is you putting into it is kind of the emotional value that we tend to say that it calculates. And so as a result, sometimes I say, I don't want you to spend all on the one day. In a perfect world, pace this out. I think one event that I did with my wife is 30 days prior to Valentine's Day, I bought a bunch of those little hearts from the dollar store. And every day I hid one somewhere in the house <laughs> in or on her stuff yeah. that she you know, could go choose to find or if not. So really it took me three seconds to go stick something on there. But over the time, that 30 days, it built up all these hearts. So everywhere she looked, it was a symbol, a nice cheap symbol, but a symbol that linked back to me, which now is, you know, there's still those hearts all kind of around that are still resonating that I don't have to invest anymore. Do you know, it's pretty romantic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I'm really sucky at it, by the way. Are, are you? I just... Because I learned, I'm I learned worse. from my clients. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, there is an awesome idea. I'm going to take that one home and kind of work with it. It doesn't have to just be on February 14th. That's right. Like you said, uh, the 30 days leading up to that day. And you can celebrate your relationship or, or your love any day of the year doesn't have to be on February 14th, you necessarily. Should. <laughs> I you strongly should. recommend. Otherwise, <laughs> it's like watering the plant. You don't water it for once a year. Don't expect it to give flowers. You, you three have made me fear that my relationship is in jeopardy. I thought I was doing good. Uh, it made put me, your uh, wife on that one, because she might be okay with it. She might be. It made me laugh, actually, when you talked about the hearts, because for whatever reason, and totally out of character, and I don't even remember, it must have been Valentine's Day because it was hearts, I did what you just suggested, and I did it, I think, last year or the year before. I was in a dollar store, saw one of those sticker packages, and it was all different shapes and sizes of hearts. And so I took the hearts and I led them from the basement, I think, uh, all the way up to the bedroom where on the nightside table there was a handwritten note uh, about, do you remember how we met? And it was like so... You can do this. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work. We have four cats, or did. So what I had done was I had it all ready when she went down to the basement, because that's where our office is, and then I put the last few hearts so that when she came out of the office, she would find the trail. But by the time we got to the first level, cats were choking on them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of the cats is still waiting to pass one of the big hearts. And, and there was chocolates in the uh, package that went with everything else, with the nose, and the dog had eaten them, which apparently <laughs> is quite dangerous yes. for dogs. Yeah. Although I have to tell you, my wife still tells that story all the time. So was it... Did she appreciate it? Yeah, she appreciated, she appreciated it. She appreciated your effort. So the, the investment might have paid off or paid off later on, maybe not that night, given the energy that you put into it. 
question. No, actually, I it kind of paid off memory, that night. Which is what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah, so there you it's, go. It's, it's a great memory. All right, I'm not sure what we learned from this, but it has been insightful in terms of uh, discovering that we're not all perfect when it comes to Valentine's Day. Lots of great ideas. Appreciate our panel taking the time to join me today. We had uh, Jeremy, a professor of history and classics at the University of Alberta. Lori, a credit counselor, a credit counseling society. And uh, Corey, a senior psychologist and certified sex therapist at Insight Psychological. Thank you all three for being here. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.